0: If you have your Bible, I want you to open to John chapter fifteen. I've just got like a few little thoughts to share. Um and I know I say this sometimes and it then I talk for a long time, but I actually mean it and but I'm I won't mean it every time, but so we'll just see what happens anyway. Uh, John 15 says I am a true sprouting vine I'm reading from the passion I am a true sprouting vine and the farmer who tends the vine is my father he cares for the branches connected to me by lifting up and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest so this is jesus talking about us our connection with him and he talks to him about himself as being a vine and the father is the one who prunes and cares for the vine but i love the wording here that he cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches so even in those times and seasons in life where we feel like there's no fruit coming out of me <laughs> anyone ever anyone in that season now maybe or you just feel like you've been in one of those places yeah i do uh and to this encouragement that the lord he picks up it's like when the branches are drooping and he picks them up and he props them up and he holds us up even in those fruitless seasons and then every fruitful branch he prunes which is interesting as well so even then when we're in those seasons of of just being really fruitful and everything good happening all of a sudden he gets out the sharp scissors the zeketeers And starts to to prune off things because it's actually in fruitfulness when you know as you know when you prune back a plant that is actually being fruitful that produces more fruit which is amazing says the words i have spoken over you have already cleansed you so you must remain in life union with me for i remain in life union with you you must remain in union deep connection with me because that's What I am doing to you so even in that the the response is is acknowledge and return what you are being given constantly for as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine I am the sprouting vine and you are my branches as you live in union with me as your source Fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. I just want to speak. It's funny because I had a couple of prophetic words in the prayer time about a word in season and, and, and I'm trusting this is just kind of speaking into a bit of what the Lord is doing because that's kind of what he does with a family. He'll focus on particular things at particular times with us. It's always been our journey and I feel like it's, that should be the norm um, but I guess it's maybe stood out differently because we've just chosen to go, well, whatever season we're in, Lord, do that. Accomplish what you will. The quicker we yield, the quicker we can move on, not that it's like that, but that's how he kind of works like he's so patient with us, um, but he's oftentimes waiting for us to to let go to yield to to join into the process of what he's doing um, but but a real sense that he's um, just drawing us closer and and you know passages like John fifteen uh, even through to seventeen, um, you know where Jesus prays and Uh, there's some so much of this just drawing in and being connected staying connected to me and trusting that the fruitfulness that comes out of that will be far more than you doing anything on your own you know i think that uh sometimes that whole thing of intimacy is is such a a difficult concept because sometimes in the natural we don't even know what that looks like so we're, we're called to live intimately and yet well what What expression maybe even do we have in our earthly life that helps to awaken us to that? And some of us have maybe never had that. Maybe even as children, that was never awakened. There was never close, intimate connection and relationship, you know, with parental figures or family, you know, brothers and sisters, all of that sort of thing. And so we don't even know what it is, but that is what the Lord is calling us to. And He wants us to be fruitful. So it's not this kind of passive, oh, it doesn't really matter what I'm doing, He wants us to be fruitful, but more than us being fruitful, He wants us to be faithful. He wants us to be faithful to Him, to stay connected into that place. But that means then establishing our lives in a way where we are intently doing that. Uh, I know for my life, unless I'm intentional about those sorts of things, something else will take its place. Always. Always. There is always something that can distract me, that I can be busy in doing. You know, it's the life of, of um, for me personally, as a, as a pastor and as a, as a husband and father, there's just, there is an endless supply of jobs for me to do. And none of them are bad things. They're all like good things. Um, but if I'm not prioritizing God as the, the premium, then even some, like one of those good things will become a God thing to me. And that's essentially what idolatry is. Sometimes idolatry is it's a bad thing that I make God. But sometimes idolatry, oftentimes for Christians, it's when we make a good thing God. It could be ministry, could be family, could be work, could be a whole lot of things that are actually the good things in their right place. But when we elevate them to that place of of priority over the Lord, that's when we step into idolatry. And the reality is that all of life flows from Jesus. We prayed that before and we know it, and we can read it all through the scriptures, you know. That's what it looks like to live in abundant life is to live connected to the source of life. Jesus doesn't give abundant life to us as a gift and say, here it is, now go and do your thing. He says, no, no, when you remain in me, then you're connected to that source and the life flows through you. It's not something you get to take away it's only when you're connected that the flow happens. Otherwise, like when a branch becomes disconnected, it kind of shrivels up and dies. And this, again, for me is like, this. I find often in my life, it's like, oh, I'm starting to shrivel. Why am I turning brown and, and the fruit's drying up? Oh, that's right, I've, I've pulled away from the source. So I then I need to come back to the source of life. I need to come back to that place. And, uh, and I want to tell you, it's, it can be the simplest thing, just, just spending time with Jesus, just thinking about him, loving on him, resting with him. We've, we're so overcomplicated and performance-oriented um, prayer and worship and time with God that we've made it this kind of, kind of rigorous exercise. And yet, what is the Lord desiring from us? Oftentimes, it's just our attention. And this, this strange thing that happens is that you give him your attention, which he's already giving to you. So he's always giving his attention to you, and we give our attention back to God. We get drawn into that connection, that life source, and then all of a sudden, you, the daily kind of routine of life starts to shift. Opportunities start to open up your heart, you know, I've, I, this is the weird thing with me. Sometimes I'll, I'll be even talking to someone and you'll just feel wisdom flow out. And you're like, wow, I've never thought that before. That feels like Holy Spirit is talking. And, but what did I do today? Well, I didn't. I wasn't even searching the scriptures, trying to fill my brain with wisdom or, or reading books or doing it. It's just being with Him. So then I'm literally connected to the source of life, the source of all wisdom. Um, you know, we often talk about you know, that, that phrase, having the mind of Christ. And I know I've, I've said lots of times, the mind of Christ is the Holy Spirit. So it's not that he's plucked out your brain and put in his brain, it's that he's put the one who knows all the thoughts of God within you, dwelling with your spirit. So if you, if you go back again, I remember I shared this at a church and the pastor was like, what? What's that about? And maybe he'd be like, I don't know if I agree with that. And then he went and read it. He's like, oh, that's right. Um, It happens sometimes, Um, but it's like, wow, that's really what it is. It's like when we we understand I, I have the mind of Christ, I have all wisdom from God dwelling inside of me, but if I'm not focused and connected to that, then that doesn't flow, and I'll look externally for those things. Being in that intimate place, that is eternal life eternal life isn't living forever eternal life is a type of life that we enter into when we connect with god i know this because we use the word mathematically like eternity meaning a length of time or a time without end Uh, i i feel like when the scriptures talk about eternal life it's talking about a type of life not a length of life john 17 verse 1 it's not lollipops and rainbows and roller coasters and all those things that, you know, you may have learned about In I rebuke you in Jesus' name. No, not Lynn, not the, the phone. Um, that is eternal life, is to know God and to know Jesus, to intimately know. That is, again, that word, a Jewish idiom for um you know man woman kind of love you know that kind of love there's kids in the room you know what i'm saying but that's what it means it's that kind of really deep intimate connected love that's what he's talking about john 14:6. how it talks about that jesus the way the truth and the life he is that source of life uh, Colossians 1 talks about how all things are held together in him that he is the creator and creation was created for him um, they uh, share this morning in the prayer time Deuteronomy 13 verse 19 and 20 I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I've set before you life and death blessing and cursing therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days. God is our source of life. And that's the thing, coming into the kingdom and this shift in thinking and mentality is I understand that life is not contained anywhere outside of Jesus. That's where life is. So whatever i'm feeling like i'm living out here is not true life it's only found in him and it's found in him and it's going to flow through me when i'm intimately connected to him it's just the way that the kingdom of god works now we can have fun out you know in in life and enjoyment god's not saying no no, it's only just when you're in prayer that's the only time you're going to experience it no no you'll experience it at all times because you're connected to him so in every area of your life there'll be fruitfulness There'll be fruitfulness in your friendships, in your marriage, in your workplace, in your uh, you know, evangelism, reaching out to people. Anywhere that you're going, in your finances, there'll be fruitfulness because you're connected to that one place. And the Lord can trust that if he makes you fruitful, it won't become an idol because you've proven your connectedness to him. You know, I think sometimes that the Lord doesn't bless us in the way that we desire for him to bless us because he knows that that blessing would become a curse to us because it would become an idol and our hearts would turn away from him. And he loves you and he's so jealous for your heart that he won't do that. He won't, he won't give you something that will cause you to turn away from him. But again, when, we, when, when there's right order, then the Lord he knows, well, I know anything that you ask will be given to you. You know, you read that verse you think, anything that I ask will be given to me. You know, part of you goes, but what if I ask for the wrong thing? Or, um, where's this idea? John fifteen seven, if you live in life union with me and if my words live powerfully within you then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done you see that's always that's prefaced on your connection and your intimacy it's when you are when you are deeply connected you know my heart we're in that flow in that place when you ask it will be done because you're going to ask in accordance with his will So when we offer people eternal life, we aren't offering them life forever. We are offering them life in union with Jesus. When you pray the prayer, yes, Lord, I give my life to you. If you prayed that prayer, you weren't saying, oh, thank you, God. Now I get this exchange of, of uh, I'm going to go to heaven when I die. You got the exchange of Jesus gave himself to you. That's what you received. And this, again, is, is um, some of my issue with our modern interpretation of what the gospel is. And I feel like this is a really big one because I feel like it's something that people don't even question. They just assume, no, no, the gospel is Jesus came, died on the cross for your sins. He rose again so you can have eternal life and he's coming back one day. And if you, if you give your life to Jesus, if you pray this prayer, then you won't go to hell, you'll go to heaven. And it's just kind of laid out like that. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, but for me, I'm like, number one, I don't see that Jesus preached that which is that's probably enough to ask some questions yeah um and then secondly i don't also see how that produces the outcome that the lord desires because what it does is say i'm in trouble what's my answer pray a prayer and i and i get something one day when Jesus comes to you, you know, Daniel's sharing this story. This guy, Jesus, is coming before him, and that's the point. It's like, well, Jesus doesn't just have peace for you, but he's showing you this is what life with me would look like. You'll live in abundant peace. But I'm not here to offer you peace. I'm not here to offer you me. And because I'm the prince of peace, then you'll, then you'll receive every part that comes along with me. Every fruitful dynamic of who I am will be in you, and you'll have access to But I'm not here to give you gifts. I'm here to give you the gift of myself. That's what Jesus offers us. John 17, 22. It says, the glory that you have given me, this is Jesus praying to the Father, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me That they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. This is Jesus' prayer for his people, that that we would come into such a deep oneness with the Father, like Jesus was in oneness with the Father. That's his desire and that's his prayer. And I love how contained within it is this evangelism dynamic. Because it says, so that the world may know that you sent me. Oneness with God will be the greatest prover of the reality of Jesus. You want to be an amazing evangelist, tie yourself deeply to the life union with Jesus. Because that flow will come, it will naturally happen. And this is the thing, for me, the, the, the gospel that Jesus came to preach was the gospel of the kingdom. He is the king, he gives himself and you're invited into that kind of life, life in the kingdom of God. It's not, a, it's, not a div, it's not a divine exchange of like, give me your sin and I'll just give you some good gifts and righteousness and a free ticket to heaven. So now you give me yourself and I'll give you myself. That's a really good deal. Just letting you know. That's a really, really good deal. I'll give my life and Jesus will give me his. Yeah, I'll take that deal. That's a good deal. You know, I think sometimes we can find, and this is my wrestle, you know, to, um, as I've shared before, you know, spending hours in prayer, it's not intuitive, it's not natural, like I'm a kind of doing type person. Um, And even worship, you know, like I I love worship, but I remember when I wasn't, um, and this is a whole other sermon, but the whole thing of being baptized in the Spirit, which essentially just means to be immersed in something, which again, when we, you know, the great commission go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father son and the holy spirit Teaching them to obey everything i commanded you in jesus name amen um, that point there of baptizing them in the name of the father son and the holy spirit that's not baptizing them in water do you know that or is it you're welcome to argue with me it's to to, to immerse baptism the word baptizo means to immerse one thing in another thing so that's why we do water baptism and it is a sign of of the finished work of christ that transition of us dying being raised again with him there's that side of water baptism but the baptism or immersion into it's essentially immersion into trinitarian community so when you're discipling somebody your invitation is come and follow jesus and i'm going to immerse you into the reality of father god I'm going to immerse you in the reality of Jesus Christ. I'm going to immerse you in the reality of the Holy Spirit. You'll be so consumed and and wrapped up in this reality of the Godhead. And out of that place, you'll go and you'll follow all the things that Jesus commanded. But often what we do, we give people information. We don't invite them into relationship and connection and immersion into those realities. You know, that's not on my notes. Freebie for you. So, but if I find things like worship and prayer boring or difficult, then I've missed something of the point of Christianity. If we're ever thinking like, okay, when's this prayer time going to finish? When's this worship time going to finish so I can get on to you know the the real stuff? It's like, I've, but hold a second. This is what it's all about: knowing you, giving you worth, loving on you. Like that's that's the point. Sometimes on a Sunday, like we won't, we won't get to the preaching time because it's already happened. Just in the worship, God's speaking a word and if he's speaking and we're listening, it's like that is bread, that is meat, that is life, that is all I need. Actually, if we moved on that space and then did a whole teaching, I might forget what he spoke and what he did, what he accomplished in that time. This is how the lord wants to speak if he's speaking i want to listen god doesn't care how much you pray he just wants your attention prayer gives god our attention worship gives god our attention silence and solitude gives god our attention sabbath rest gives god our attention that's what he longs for. He's not after you to tick a box. He's not after you to accomplish something other than giving him your attention. So simple. So simple and yet so difficult because it can challenge so much of how we're wired. Uh, reading a book um, by Henry Newen, it talks about the Desert Father. So these are kind of church leaders in the early centuries of the, of the New Testament church. Um, and one of the things they talk about is this whole thing of solitude. So oftentimes we interpret solitude as like, oh, I'd like some solitude in terms of, I'd like some time out from my responsibilities, maybe work or children or whatever it is, just so I can get some me time. Um, The Desert Fathers understood solitude as that's that's sanctification time. Because as soon as I remove myself from all worldly pleasures, and they would literally go into the desert, some of these dudes for like 20 years, zero connection with people for 20 years. And in that process, everything that opposed Jesus, that was out of line with his kingdom, that was negative or sinful in them, would rise up in those places. Like, really, these days, it's like you don't even go to the toilet without your mobile phone like let's be honest people you know it's like even just to find five minutes or, or we'll drive in the car and we'll have the radio on or even worship music. There's just always constantly kind of noise and sometimes it's when we sit in the silence that things start to come up that we just want to avoid and we don't want to realize but it's actually in these places that our heart it's our heart's voice gets expressed but it's in those places where we get revealed and that the Lord is able to sanctify so we can hear Him and see Him better. God desires our attention. You know, Matthew 7, 23, where it talks about, you know, you'll perform all these miracles, these people will do all these things, and then they'll come before you, but I, I never knew you, is the phrase that Jesus said. So you did lots of great stuff, but I never knew you. Again, that word no, intimate relationship. And I think in that There's a lesson to be learned that some of us actually need to lean more into the supernatural. We need to actually lean more into that expectation that God can do miraculous things, you know. Uh, Patricia's testimony is not, it's like, oh, well, if you could just just pray for peace over this person as they pass away. It's like, well, no, how about I pray that they don't pass away? You know, like, how about that? You know, and that's, you know, we need that. We need to lean into the the supernatural expectation that God can do amazing and miraculous things because he does and he desires to. But at the same time, some people who are right into all the supernatural stuff need to learn to lean into Jesus and not just what he does, because sometimes we get all caught up in, look what he's doing, look what he's doing, look what he's doing and how he's using me and all this good stuff. And I lose sight of the fact that it's all about him. And if it's not all about him, if my eyes aren't on him, then even the fruitfulness that I'm seeing won't remain. When Jesus says, I never knew you, it reveals the desire of God to be intimate with us. And that desire is greater than anything that we could do, any amazing, miraculous, crazy things that we could do with our life. That his desire is greater than those things. He's like, "I I just want you. And I know for me, that recognition of the desire of the Lord for me raises a whole lot about how much worth I feel like I have in myself. I think that's the challenge sometimes. It's like, but just me, Jesus, are you sure? Are you sure you would just want me? Like, I could do tricks. I could entertain you. How about I sing a song for you, Jesus? He's like, no, I just just want you. Do you realize the lengths that i went to just to have you and as jesus came out of the waters of baptism and the and the holy spirit came and rested upon him like a dove and the father said this is my son with whom i am well pleased he had accomplished nothing in our natural earthly sense of ministry that's when the ministry started for jesus but there was an acknowledgement he's pleased because you're my son I find delight in my children, not when they're doing good things, just in their being and their resting. It's the Father's delight in you. But then I'm even in that, in the recognition, but, but if I'm not doing anything, God, then it means my worth is just in me, not in what I have to offer, not in what I'm doing for you. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to believe for us. Why, well, you, just, you just want me? What if the Lord said, I, "I don't, I don't have a ministry for you. I don't have a task for you. I just want you to spend three hours a day, just with your eyes closed, just looking at my face." Someone like, "Yeah, <laughs> yes, Lord." But you, you know, there, there can that be that feeling sometimes. But but you got. There's things to accomplish, Lord. People need saving. People need to hear the gospel, you know. Things need to happen. People need healing, all of that sort of stuff. And absolutely, the Lord is on those things. Like, they're His ideas, not ours. And if they're our ideas, then they're a, a, a big fat waste of time, really. We could say, like, oh, the, you know, oh, it's God's thing, but then sometimes it's about us. But anyway, you know, good Christian activity can be a cover-up for the fact that we don't actually know Him intimately or desire to. We get so caught up in doing all these Christian things and responsibilities. You want the Wi Fi, Rachel? I've just got to think, it's all right. It's just popped up sometimes. It's like someone wants the Wi Fi password. Did you give I did. I know. I'm that, I'm that kind of guy. John five thirty nine says you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life I do not receive glory from people searched the scriptures this is the this is the religious leaders at the time they knew i guarantee they knew the bible the old testament way better than any of you here probably all of us put together you know if you can memorize if you know by memory the first five books of the bible like that's and they uh, like a, a, a young jewish boy would know that by the age of 12 i think Crazy, and yet jesus says and yet you don't see me and if only you knew that it was me. Now I'm the source of life. Not even the wisdom that's contained in the Bible or, or how good you can do this or the whatever it is. It's not, no, it's, it's me. You know, Jesus said that he only does or he did, only did what he saw the Father doing. The Father initiated the activity and Jesus followed, which means that seeing is imperative. But to see God, it means you've got to gaze upon him. You've got to turn your attention towards him. Jesus' attention was always towards the Father, and the Father would initiate a work, and he'd say, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm in partnership with what you're doing. He didn't look to see what's happening around. Are you into that, God? He saw the Father, and he saw what the Father was doing, and he partnered him with that. That's our life. If that's what Jesus did, he is the example for us to follow. So what's my job today? I'm just going to say, what are you doing today, Father? When we worship, it's like, what are you doing today, Father? Where are you leading us, Lord? Because that's where we want to be. That's what we want to be doing. Not doing good Christian activities that are simply a cover-up because I don't even have the time to give him my attention to even see what he's doing. We can struggle sometimes to rest in God because so much of our identity and sense of purpose in life is tied to what we do. So God becomes another thing that we do. Christianity becomes another thing that we do. It becomes just another responsibility that I have in my life to do that, which is not. That's that, that is idolatry because, it means something else is in that place. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm on the top of the totem pole. you know, sometimes it's, we can, when we gather together and we're worshipping, or maybe we're in prayer, and and I know that sense of, um, you know, evangelism is so often tied to action, like it's the out there, it's the proclamation, it's the doing kind of thing, and it's like, you know, prayer is just like, oh, you know, that's like the Mary and Martha kind of thing, and we know from that story what Jesus calls us to prioritize, but still, but but what about that, you know, oh Brad, you're talking about intimacy and union with Jesus but but what about the loss what about the expansion of the kingdom all of those sorts of things well the gospel is Jesus he is the good news as I said before the gospel that we preach is like it's it's primarily beneficial for you um, and because you'll get some stuff from God like you get to go to heaven Whereas actually the reality is that the gospel is Jesus gives himself to you. But if I okay, I receive Jesus at salvation, then I go on and, and get busy doing all of this stuff and I lose sight of the fact that he is the greatest gift that I have. He is my treasure. Then what happens is when I go and I share that with other people, I, I'm introducing them to fruit, not to the vine. I'm picking off fruit and I'm saying, here's some fruit, taste the fruit, taste the fruit. But the reality is that Jesus is inviting them to enter into the vine. So like, no, he wants them to come into the source of life. I think that a lot more evangelism would happen if more Christians were deeply in love with Jesus. It concerns me sometimes when people seem to be in love with their gifting or their calling. They evangelize because they love evangelism, not just because they love Jesus. Which means they are... They can become all about getting people to agree with who the Bible says Jesus is rather than introducing them to Jesus himself. It's like, I know this guy. He's really amazing. Can I introduce you to him? Like that's evangelism. Not do you agree with this? Do you agree with this? Do you agree with this? It's an invitation into relationship and connection. If knowing and loving Jesus is not the fruit of the gospel that we preach, then we aren't preaching the gospel. You know, my desire is that we would, um, that God would so desire to manifestly dwell amongst us because of the environment that we create that he feels so comfortable to dwell is that people, you imagine somebody comes in and they don't know Jesus and they come into a room filled with people singing about and just totally enamored in love with Jesus. That's the gospel being preached. That's the gospel being proclaimed. Oh, what's the point of this whole Christianity thing? It's loving Jesus. Awesome, cool. I learned that the first time I showed up somewhere. And I'm not just saying here, when we gather anywhere that you are, it's like, what's the point? Well, you're a filthy sinner and God's going to destroy you if you don't make a change. Okay, well then, I I, I give my life to fear. Yes, I, I... I, I, I believe in condemnation. I believe in, you know, avoidance of bad things. As I like, know, the Father loves you. He's paid the ultimate price so that you can come into a loving relationship with Him. Now, do I believe in, in the consequence on the other side? Absolutely. But that's it, the reason Jesus didn't prioritize that because I don't think that's a, a good motivator anyway what someone gets saved into, that will set up and lay the foundation for the ongoing reality of their relationship with God. That's why for me, I'm like, let's not create an, a, a center of entertainment for people. Because then they'll be drawn by entertainment, not by Jesus. They'll be drawn because, oh wow, that, that you know, 15 minute sermon, yeah, I like that. doesn't take up too much time on my Sunday. And yet 20 minutes of worship, cool, done. I can tick that box, don't really like those songs, but I can push through because only, they're only gonna sing it once i are going to sing over and over and over again. And all this this free, weird stuff. And then, you know, whatever. I I know that song. I can get through, make it through that. Cool offering. I can just, you know, as the bucket comes past, I can shake it and drop some coins in, you know. (laughs) Whatever, you know. We know how to play the game. Uh, You know, and just kind of get it over and done with because church is a responsibility in my week that I must accomplish. You know, sometimes on a Sunday, it's like people don't show up. And for various reasons, it's no, it's no, whatever it happens, but part of me goes, if people aren't coming, um, it might be just because they're not in love with Jesus. So I'm like, and I'm okay with that. Because for me, I'm like, well, let's present Jesus. I loved, I was listening to something during the day and it talked about, you know, when someone, if someone wants to come, if you were to preach a sermon, they go, oh, I loved your sermon and, you know, great teaching. And I'm like, but they're like, but. Did you fall in love with Jesus more? Because that's the outcome. And that's what I want to, that's what we've got to present, is we're presenting Jesus to you. And you go, that's right, I've, I've fallen out of love with him. And oh wow, I've never seen that picture that's just stirred up love in my heart for Jesus. Like that's the outcome of it. But people were drawn to Jesus. Sinners were drawn to Jesus. And he was fully himself so we can just present Jesus to people and they'll be drawn to him. You know, we we're talking during the week about, um, you know, we, we, we focus a lot on the healing of the heart, the heart journey and prayer ministry, all of these sorts of things. Um, but it's, it's just really important to recognize, and I preached about this a couple of months ago, the goal of the healing of your heart is not so that you can have a whole heart that's not that's not the end of it the goal of it is that in having a whole heart you can love Jesus with more of who you are so the broken bits are made whole so then that broken bit of your heart can work in love for Jesus the hidden bit of your heart can become come out into the light to, to love on Jesus you know the, the the place of your heart that are in bondage and broken that can't love him or that are dead it can be breathed into life and resurrected so that you can love on Jesus. Like that's the outcome. That's the end game. And this is why there's a danger even in the heart journey that that becomes an idol in itself. It's like, I just feel so much better now because I don't have all of that unforgiveness in my heart. All right, I can go out and live life apart from Jesus. Oh no, we have missed the point. But it's important that it does. Otherwise people are stuck and they're like, I want to love him, I just don't know how i want to give all of myself to jesus i just don't know how i feel stuck i feel bound and there's there's probably a really good reason for that and we want to help you to encounter jesus to be awakened to that to be healed so that you can then step into the fullness of life which is to love on him the heart journey prayer ministry repentance confession the pursuit of holiness accountability etc 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 is all about freeing us from anything that would inhibit our ability to love god with all that we are that's the point of our healing so we can love him more I believe that in this season he's drawing us into a greater reality of oneness of having undivided hearts when it comes to the Lord of being yielded surrendered and yielding and surrendering isn't isn't passive it's highly active it's not just oh well I give up then so, no no i choose i yield is a, is an act it's like if you're driving in your car and you come up to a stop sign i know i think in the us sometimes it's called it's a yield sign that requires me putting my foot onto the brake that requires effort on my behalf otherwise i'm looking at 300 meters away i'll take my foot off the accelerator and slowly roll down maybe you don't drive that fast but you know um You know to a stop well that's that's passive that's just kind of giving up and letting go so no no there's there's work and action involved in yielding it's a choice to do that it's highly active in choosing to lean into him and i just know that as we continue to yield as we continue to lean in as we continue just to worship and pray and rest and share the good news with people, love our families, do all of those things. As we do all of those things, I just know that God is going to continue to do abundantly more than we could ask or hope or think or dream or imagine. But, but what I will know at the end of the day is that Jesus did it. I'll look back and go, no, look, not look what we accomplished like, look at what Jesus accomplished. And he accomplished through my surrendered life. But I went. Look, oh, I guess I guess I did some of that, and you know, maybe Jesus was in that, maybe he wasn't. It's like no, no. Everything that he builds is us. That's why we're here. And this is like feels like the the very beginning of significant things that the Lord will do. What's he going to do? I don't know. But it's going to be good. And we're going to keep yielding because he is far more active than you will ever be active. He is far more passionate about people who don't don't know him than you will ever be he's far 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 more passionate but as jesus said, father i yield myself to what you're doing i see and then okay yes lord i partner in and there's rest in that deep rest just watch what he does in and through a people fully yielded to him it's exciting and i'm so encouraged that there's a room full of people who are saying yes to this like that's amazing So I wanna encourage you, like, well done for sticking it out, for trusting. Like, that's what we're doing as a leadership. We're just still in that place. We're just trusting you, Jesus. We're trusting you. We might be going against the flow of popular culture, but our, our belief is that we're in the flow of what the Lord is doing. And that's way better. Can I pray for you? All right. Thank you, Father lord i pray this as much for me and for anyone else here today lord and those who can't be with us today father lord we want you jesus we just want you jesus and father even where maybe our hearts are saying but i also want this god we we take that part that would desire something else and we give it over to you Father the fear that what if i miss out if i give everything to you we give our fear then to you lord we give our history to you lord where we feel like but i feel like i've done this before and it hasn't turned out well for me we give everything to you lord our all of our understanding lord all of our lack of understanding we give to you jesus and we choose father to yield to your ways to your purpose to your desire, God. And I pray this week, Lord, that you would help us to keep our attention and our affection focused on you, Lord. And even when it feels uncomfortable, when it is costly, Lord, that we would know that we are being faithful to you by staying in life union with you, Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that you will prove yourself faithful by the fruitfulness that will flow out of our lives, Lord, when we seemingly do nothing but love on you, that we'll see all that you will accomplish through our yielded lives, Lord. We thank you, Father, for the amazing things that you're doing, Lord, for opportunities this week to share how great you are with people, Lord. To offer people the gift of relationship with Jesus, Lord. But if we're not living in that place, Lord, what do we have to offer people? We're just introducing people to someone that we don't even know. We want to know you deeper, Lord. We want to know you deeper, Lord. We want to see you more clearly, Lord. And we thank you, God, that you are for us, Lord. Your attention is towards us, Lord. So it's not even a matter of searching you out of, where are you, Jesus? It's like, here I am, Lord, and you come and you find us. So I just pray, Lord, a grace, Father, to supernatural encounters, Lord, over, over dreams this week, Lord, just an awakening, Father, in our dream life, Father, uh, encounters, Lord, angelic encounters in our homes, Father. Thank you, Lord, rapturous engagement with your Spirit this week, Lord. That immersion, Father, that we are invited into in our discipleship journey, Lord, that we'll just feel immersed in your presence this week, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Amen. Awesome. Bless you guys. Thanks for listening through my slightly croaky voice.